Nobody's talking about how are we going to help farm workers make more money? That's the issue right now. Farm workers are making less money than they used to. And why is it? It's because of a Washington state law that was, well, at least by the the powers that be that don't understand farming, um, they thought they were going to help farm workers make more. It didn't turn out that way. And in fact, it's causing them to make less. As we predicted, um, we here on this program, we at Save Family Farming uh, and people across the farming uh, community in Washington State and other experts as well. Why? Uh, Because farming is on a whole pretty tapped out as far as, as labor costs. So farms to be able to stay out of the red. And by the way, if you want to keep growing food, you can't be in the red year after year after year after year. Honestly, farms are, are often in the red one year and in the black the next year. That's how farming goes. We talk about that on the program. But you can't do that, you know, being in the red, being in debt, you know, not making a profit for too many years and you're done. And so farms are having to protect their bottom line to be like, hey, we need to survive here. We have to limit the number of hours that folks work. The upshot is that workers are able to make less money under this uh, dropping uh, overtime threshold that's being phased in. It goes to 40 hours a week starting January 1st. This is The Farming Show. Good morning to you. I'm Dylan Honkoop. We've talked a lot about this issue here on the program. I'm with Save Family Farming, and joining me uh, this morning is Pam Lewison with the Washington Policy Center um, with their initiative on agriculture. She's a frequent guest here on the show. And most recently, I mean, I I think I've talked here on the program in recent weeks about what's happened, you know, what happened this fall with uh, farm worker gatherings all all over the state, several gatherings that uh, brought out nearly a thousand farm workers wanting to get more information on this and wanting to have the opportunity to voice, publicly voice their frustration and do something, anything to be heard in Olympia. So those folks start to recognize the decisions they're making aren't helping, but are hurting the farm workers here in our state. Pam, um, you wrote a blog about a, a meeting that just happened, though, and this is the most recent thing, uh, a meeting on the 30th of November before the Washington State Senate Ag uh, Committee, um, state senators having a work session, uh, and one of the two big topics of the session, work session, was, was this overtime issue, and we heard from different groups of folks And, you know, personally, just for starters, I was disappointed that there wasn't more conversation from anyone about the real problem as I see it here, which is what are we going to do to help the people that this whole concept, this whole issue in the first place was supposed to be about helping? They say it's hurting them. And while, you know, advocates, activists, people who... Um, honestly game the political system to their, uh, you know, very niche, uh, (laughs) ultra-progressive motives, as we've talked about, the the labor activists in this state, 
um, they will say, well, you know, um, this is just the, the narrative of the farmers. It's not true. But once you see nearly a thousand farm workers come out because of the growing frustration on this, you know, it's a real thing. People are legitimately frustrated. Talk about what was said, though. I mean, in not talking about actually coming up with a, a solution that helps those folks, there was some pushback from the folks that are supposed to care and be advocating for the farm worker community. They they said it's all about some deal that was made a couple of years ago. Well, so, you know, I thought that the Senate work session was interesting in its approach to talking about the phase in of overtime and specifically um, this, this, we had a deal and, and now farmers are trying to break that deal. Um, and what they're alluding to is when uh, the overtime legislation was first introduced, there were, of course, several conversations and a lot of negotiation, um, as with any piece of legislation that occurs um, behind the scenes. You know, there's, there's always conversation between legislators um, from both sides of the aisle that occurs um, not on the floor and not um, not in committee. There's still a lot of things going on and a lot of discussion going on. And in that conversation, um, there was another version of the bill that went through um, this sort of negotiation process that had in it this seasonal flexibility approach but we were getting to the end of session. And, and, and seasonal flexibility is probably the the most obvious potential solution to give both farmers and farm workers some relief on this, this issue. Yes. And uh, we were getting to the end of session. Things were really tight and they couldn't get kind of buy-in from everyone. And they finally did. And then... Senator Kaiser at the last minute said, I don't want it in the bill. Seasonal, we'll flex seasonal flexibility, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I don't want seasonal flexibility in the bill. We'll talk about it after we get the bill passed. Mm. We'll come back and we will talk about seasonal flexibility as its own piece after we get this bill passed. So, so, so did some of the, the other folks, particularly the labor activists, not get the memo on on that because now they're saying by bringing this up and doing exactly what she talked about then as you're saying to revisit this issue and hash it out later by doing that they say the initial deal is being reneged by the the farming community oh well, um i'm certainly got the memo because uh they or their representatives were present for those negotiations so at least what's the what give? How can they spin it now that this is going back on the deal when this is exactly what Senator Kaiser said she wanted to have happen? And, and for folks who don't know Senator Kaiser, she has a long background in the, the labor movement and is very sympathetic to these activists and folks, some folks who I believe are extremists on this issue. So this is what she wanted really, I mean, advocating for their side of things. I think that, <clears throat> I mean, I I don't know. I wasn't sitting at the table, but I suspect that what happened is um, that that back and forth ultimately became a last minute, we're going to get what we want. 
And then once we have you over a barrel, we'll decide whether or not we're going to come back and actually have this conversation or not. But the agreement was in place that they would come back to the table and have a conversation about seasonal flexibility in some form, specifically because ag interests were aware that the people who were going to be hurt most by this piece of legislation and the phase in of overtime were going to be farm workers. Back to what I was saying in the beginning, I mean, because that turned out to be true. And, and uh, the most pain hasn't been felt yet even. This year, the threshold was 48 hours um, with a three-year phase in that was approved as part of that deal. Um, next year, this coming year, 2024, um, will be that much more painful for folks who are just trying to get as many hours as they can, get as much, uh, make as much money as they can when the work is available during harvest times or other busy seasons on the farm. That's the whole point of, you know, farm work, farming as a whole, being very seasonal, being tied to the ebb and flow of Mother Nature and the cycles of the year um, and of plants. Uh, there's busy times and slow times. So you make as much money as you can. You make hay when the sun shines um, and you probably are slower in other times of year trying to fit a, a system that was designed for factory work onto that, that way of life. It just isn't fitting. Uh, but they say that's, that, that's what they need to do. And they don't seem to be discussing any, sort of relief for the very people who say this is causing them harm mm -hmm. where 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 does that become part of the discussion instead the advocates are, are talking about heady issues of you know it basically conceptual issues abstract ideas of is overtime a good thing or not is it about equality and dignity and equity and systemic racism and all of these ideas and uh, you know i don't necessarily agree with all of their arguments there but i'd say throw all of that out and first what are we going to do to help people and and nobody was talking about that well i think they what's really difficult in those kinds of arguments is generally speaking if you're in the ag community you are first and foremost a boots on the ground individual so you want to deal with things that are tangible and you want to deal with things that you are holding in your hand every day. And if you're a, you know, if you're a farm worker, what you're holding in your hand now is a check that keeps getting smaller. And that doesn't mean that you are not working hard or that you're not appreciated. It means that both you and your employer understand that there is an economics to farming. And in the current economic situation that we're in, farmers are having to make hard choices and they're having to have discussions with their farm workers saying i genuinely appreciate that you show up to work every single day and that you put in every hour that you put in however i cannot pay you overtime because i cannot afford it that's where and they're being forced to have those conversations well but these these labor activists and, you know, the two people that were representing that perspective in the, the, the activist perspective in this meeting that we're talking about. And by the way, we're talking with Pam Lewison right now on the farm show, farming show, Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Um, Pam Lewison with Washington Policy Center talking about 
uh, over time in the world of farming uh, and what it's actually meant for farm workers. As we have discussed numerous times here on the program, this latest uh, development, this work session, um, the, the folks representing that side in there were Andrea Schmidt with Columbia Legal Services, uh, an extreme um, progressive voice that is, you know, f- from a group that, that is all about very far left ideals and you know, supporting the labor movement um, to an extreme end. And then even more extreme it was Edgar Franks, uh, the political director, I think he's called now, with Familias Unidas por la Justicia, a group that, that calls themselves a union, has a, a one single union contract down at uh, Sakumar Brothers Farms in Skagit County after that whole debacle and controversy down there. Um, Edgar Franks, who, as we pointed out, I mean, it's the, the number of falsehoods that that man has spoken over the years are mind-boggling. They make your head spin if you start looking at all of the things that he's either uh, said that are completely false or at least twisted the truth enough to make it unrecognizable uh, to reality. They're saying, well, you know, they were trying to at least suggest that this wasn't true. Uh, what you were just saying, Pam, that, that farmers are having to make that hard choice to limit folks' hours um, to survive financially and and continue growing food he's saying and again he didn't say it directly because he doesn't have any numbers to prove it we know that but he claimed and again twisting using the wrong well in his i mind the right word um to suggest that farms are pulling in as he said record profits um and we can talk about that in a minute but i i just I mean, it's not profits maybe that he's talking about, or maybe he's deliberately using the word profit incorrectly here. Listen to this. I mean, for those in the farming community, this is laughable. What Edgar Franks is saying, it's it's so far from the truth. Take a listen to this clip from that, that meeting. This is Edgar Franks with Familias Unidas por la Justicia talking about this overtime issue and the, the deal that was made. You know, we weren't looking to destroy the farm industry. Um, as I understand it, they've been making record profits since overtime um, became law in 2021. Um, you know, I think there's clippings and articles that everybody can look at where um, where um, industry uh, leaders have been saying, you know, year after year, the record profits that are coming in. Record profits. That doesn't jive with reality at all, Pam. What, what's going on there? How can he make that claim? Well, so I think what uh, he's alluding to is um, the value of our crop production. There was a report that was issued earlier this year about the value of our crop production in 2022. Value meaning gross, gross revenue. Yeah. And we did have a record breaking year in 2022. For the first time. You mean time, we as, as the farming community as a whole in Washington right, State. Yeah. Right. The farming community as a whole broke um, the gross revenue record for a crop production value. However, in 2022, we also saw extraordinary increases in cost of production. So when you start looking at 
what that cost of production did to that actual on-farm income, there was no difference. If anything, it may have actually put us back a little bit. And that's what we're hearing from folks on the ground. Anecdotally, you're talking about the overall, the actual numbers, the data, and you talk with farmers and, and more and more they're saying, you know, it keeps getting tighter and tighter. We're not sure how much longer we can keep doing this. And if anything, the only people that are sort of surviving okay now are the, the biggest players in all this, which is also, I'm sure what Edgar Franks would say he doesn't want. And those are the types of operations he loves to uh, demonize. But there, you know, a, a large corporation is about the only um, you know, structure right now that can weather some of these these financial storms that that farming and people growing food in Washington State can, are, are are experiencing. It, it, but to uh, back to his quote, Edgar Franks using the term profits incorrectly because he's talking about overall revenue, and, and we have this all the time with farming. People say, "Oh, somebody must be a millionaire," you know. Oh, look, their farm brought in uh, seven million dollars last year. But guess what? Their costs were six hundred and six point nine nine. You know, they they maybe had seventy thousand dollars of profit, and they're happy because hey, that covers what they need for their whole family, and that's it. And they're just hanging in there. Maybe it was less because you know some years you don't make any money at all. You have to go back to the banker. Um, you know how it goes, Pam. I've experienced it. This was my life growing up. Some years it's like, we just hope we can make it to next year because if we do this two or three years in a row, um, dad's going to have to sell a farm. We're going to have to move into town and do something different. Well, and I think the best way to really think about agriculture is not in terms of what those gross numbers look like. It's really about what's your profit margin. Mm-hmm. And the best way for me to describe it is in agriculture, more than 60% of farms in agriculture have a profit margin of 10%. Now, anybody who runs a business will know what that means. You have 10% of your income to work with. That's it. You have 10% to cover all of your operating costs, labor, uh, regulations, pesticides, all of your inputs have to be covered by 10% of what your gross right. revenue versus, you know, with all of your expenses removed, what you have left is 10%. And that's, what to, that's still to cover, yeah, to, to cover those costs at leaving, you know, what are you actually making in, you know, clear and away profit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be and then, peanuts. And And then uh, to have a comparison for what that looks like with some of the other top industries in Washington, because agriculture is number two, Mm -hmm. some of the other top industries in in the state uh, in software and um, computer programming, Hmm. profits range anywhere from 60 to 70%. That's your profit margin. If you are even, let's say, Let's look at something that's um, sort of more trades related, something more um, closely aligned with ag in terms of people working, uh, and that's building. The building industry still has a profit margin running around 20 to 30%. Two to three times as much as farming. A basic 
These folks need a lesson in basic economics when they throw around terms like that, claiming that farming is is seeing record, record profits, and why don't they share that with their workers when the reality is you look at the costs uh, for a lot of farming in Washington State right now, uh, labor-intensive crops in particular, which is a lot of what we grow here. Um, labor is one of, if not the biggest cost uh, that has to be covered by that slice of the pie. And how can you have that and claim that, that you know, the quote-unquote wealth isn't being shared? Uh, it, it's, it, it defies logic, uh, what they're saying and what Edgar Franks was claiming in terms of record profits. Pam Lewison with Washington Policy Center. Uh, I just looked at the clock. We're out of time. Thank you so much for being with us here on the program this morning. And folks, go to WashingtonPolicy.org to check out Pam uh, Pam's work and her recent blogs, including the one that we were talking about today. It does a much better job of explaining it than, than I tried to, and we were able to in the amount of time that we had this morning. So, so thanks so much, Pam. Thanks for having me.